You have your copies of God's Word that we're in Matthew chapter 4 as we continue to look at these pictures of Jesus. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, I might be all by myself on this. I hate daylight savings. <clears throat> now, I hate daylight savings for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, uh, I need the darkness to help me go to sleep. <laughs> it doesn't seem right to have the sun up and up and up when you're supposed to be winding down. Uh, many years ago, I got to have a chance to be in Alaska in the summer. Uh, you'll just stay awake all night <laughs> because sun doesn't hardly go down. And the other reason I hate daylight savings is because it's dark when you're supposed to wake up. And it's my body goes, no, it's not time to get up yet. The light's not shining yet. And so when the light shines, then it's time to get up. There is something about the dawning of light and the shining of light that indicates it's a new day. It's time to get up. There is work to do. That is a a consistent image and metaphor that is used in the scriptures. And it is one that is prevalent right here as was just read for us in Matthew chapter 4. That you'll notice the picture that is presented to us about Jesus as we think about this light shining. You'll notice in, in verse 12 it says that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested that Jesus moved even further into Galilee. And the next verse says, he went into Capernaum. It is fascinating that Jesus, as John is arrested, does not run down to Jerusalem. He doesn't go into Judea. He doesn't start proclaiming to them, but rather recedes all the more into Galilee. And I think that is particularly interesting, especially not only that Isaiah prophesied of this, But you would suppose that of all the places Jesus should be getting into and proclaiming the message of the light shining in the kingdom of God is to go into Jerusalem. But rather, he's going to stay now in Galilee uh, all the more. And you'll notice the description that is given is that the reasoning behind it is that Isaiah prophesied a great light was going to shine. But notice again, the great light is not going to shine in Judah or Benjamin, which is what you would expect, since that's where the kings would come from. The kings come out of Judah. Judah is the lineage of the kings. Or maybe even Benjamin with its association to Judah. Or Saul who came out of Benjamin. No, the light is not shining where you think it would shine. But in Zebulun and Naphtali, (laughs) where are those? Well, that turns out to be the area of Galilee, these obscure, insignificant areas. And notice that that is the image of the prophecy because Isaiah says, the Galilee of the Gentiles. Isn't that an interesting phrasing there? The Galilee of the Gentiles already Isaiah proclaiming it's going to be the outsiders who are going to have the light shine on them. It's going to be the outsiders that are going to see this great light dawning. It's not going to be Judah where the light is first going to shine, but rather in Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles, an obscure area, an area that the people who lived in Jerusalem and Judea looked down upon. No, it'll be in that northern area that the light is going to shine. 
And this is what sets up this really important image. If you notice in verse 16, it tells us that it is the people who are in darkness that are seeing this light. That is a very important image that is being put forward to us. The light is not shining on the people who think that they are living in the light. No, it's the people who live in darkness or another image in verse 16 in the region of this shadow of death. They understand that they are in the darkness. They don't think that they live in light, but rather that they understand that they are under the shadow of darkness. It is an image that we will see quite a bit of as we observe this year, the life of Jesus with our theme is that you have the religious leaders thinking that they are in the light. They think they are of the light. They think they're shining the light. They see God clearly. And notice here is this image going, actually the light's not shining where they are. They think they're light. They think they see. Rather, the light is going to dawn and the light is going to shine in the region of Galilee, in the Galilee of of the Gentiles. And ultimately, the light is going to come to people who understand that they're living in darkness, who understand that they're under the shadow of death. And that's why Jesus' ministry is not accidental with its time in Galilee. But there is an intention behind it, as Isaiah is prophesying, is that the light is coming to those who know that they are in darkness. The light is going to shine on the people who understand that they are under the, the shadow of death. And thus Jesus comes and notice what verse 17 tells us. Jesus goes around saying. He goes around saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says the very same words that John was saying that we saw a chapter earlier. Now Jesus is going around and he is saying the same thing. And I think it is important to see that the message of Jesus is not you keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Pat on the back to you. Just keep living your life how you want to. No, the message of Jesus as he goes around Galilee is you need to repent. You need to change your life. And the reason you need to change your life is because the light is shining. And what you have then is that this message of Jesus is not that you're doing great, keep your life going the way you're going, but rather to try to show people that they're in darkness. The essence of telling people you need to repent is so that you will hear, I'm under the shadow of death and I'm living in darkness. You understand why we don't like that message. We don't want somebody to tell us to repent because there's an implication. The implication is the way you're living your life is wrong. It's darkness. You don't see right. It's not working. But notice Jesus, his message. Here is the summary of what it looked like for Jesus to preach in Galilee. Repent. Repent because the kingdom is at hand. Trying to help people understand that they are in darkness. And that the light now is shining. In fact, I would submit to you that not only will none of this chapter, none of it, nor really the rest of this gospel will have any meaning or any importance whatsoever unless we begin with this key point 
that we are in darkness. That's what the rest of chapter 4 is all about. And it's really what the whole gospel is all about. Is trying to help people understand you are in darkness, but now a great light is shining. And with the shining of light, it's a new day. And it's a new way and it's a new life. So the repentance is the picture here. And it is ultimately then to admit you live in darkness. We have seen over the past few weeks a number of different pictures of what repentance looks like. And I hope that this will be a figure that will help your mind in thinking about repentance. What Jesus is asking for people to admit is to admit that you live in darkness. Is to admit that the only light is Jesus And without him, it's a life of darkness. It's under wrath, under the shadow of death. Repentance is that admission that we need the light of the Savior. And that's what Jesus is going around telling people to think about. You're in darkness, but I'm the light. It's time to repent. It's time to turn to me. And think about that in a practical way. If we think we're in the light... Or to put it the opposite, if we don't think we're in darkness, then we'll never see the need to repent. If I think I'm in light, then your message of repentance is ludicrous to me. I'm fine. I'm not in the darkness. In fact, we usually spin it back on them. You're in the darkness. (laughs) You, You can't see right. And Jesus is walking around saying, you're never going to get right with God until you would come to this key admission. Your life is in darkness. You can't see what you need to see and that you're not in the light. And if we think that we are doing such a great job with our life, making great decisions and going the right path and we've got the right direction, then we will never repent. And you might wonder, well, why is it this difficult for people to repent? This is the big one. Because we think that we are on the right track following our own directions and our own guidance. I don't need to repent. I'm doing just fine. I've got my life figured out. What are you doing telling me about repentance? Don't need to repent whatsoever. It's only if we see our real condition of sin, darkness, shadow of death, as Isaiah prophesies. Only then are we willing to accept the idea of light. And that the light is shining. And that means certain things need to happen. And that's where the rest of this goes. You might look at the rest of these two paragraphs that follow chapter 4 and wonder, well, what does calling disciples and Jesus healing people have to do anything with the light shining in Galilee? And it has everything to do with it. The first picture that that is given, as we just mentioned, is there's a call to repentance. If you understand the light is shining, then it's a call for us To turn and repent. The second picture that's given to us in chapter 4 is in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Second picture is that if the light is shining, then it's a call for people to follow. 
Did you notice the, the picture of immediacy? As Jesus goes to the first couple of, of brothers in verse 18, and he tells them in verse 19 to follow him. Notice verse 20 says, immediately they left their nets and followed. And notice it happens again in case we miss it the first time. Two more brothers, verse 21. And notice the response in verse 22. They immediately left the boat and left their father and they go and they follow also. I think it's an interesting picture because what Jesus is trying to communicate here is if you understand that Jesus is the light and the light is shining, then life has to now be reoriented around him. I mean, that's the natural flow. That's why I don't like daylight savings. We get up with the sun and down in the dark. And life revolves around that idea of light's shining, here we go. Light's not shining, down I go. That's the whole idea of life revolves around light. And here is Jesus coming and saying, I'm the light. Light is shining in Galilee. And that means your life now needs to be reoriented around me. You're going to follow me. And I think that is important because what Jesus does is he calls for people to move away from their established way of life. Did you catch that here? He is calling for them to move away from their established way of life. Here are these two brothers. This is their career. They're casting nets in verse 18. Jesus says, follow me. I want you to notice that you don't have them responding and saying, okay, we'll do that. Sounds good. Keep throwing the nets in. Jesus, follow me. Yeah, I got it. We'll follow you. We'll see you soon. Next time you're over in the synagogue, we'll, we'll check you out. We'll, we'll follow you. It's all right. Good. Keep throwing the nets. You see what it looked like for the light to be shining is that life is reoriented around him. It's not saying, yep, that sounds good. The light is shining. I'm going to follow you. That sounds great. I'll catch up with you next week. Appreciate the invitation. See you soon. There's a completely new life purpose that comes into play. What you have Jesus doing is calling them to accept a new life purpose. Now, you're not going to be just fishing for fish. I'm changing your life purpose. You have a new mission. You have a new reason why you're on the earth. And it's not about fish or whatever your career is or whatever work you do. That's not why you're here. You're here for a whole new reason and a whole new purpose. And Jesus is calling for us to accept that new life purpose. To put it another way, he's calling for us to leave our nets. Now I'm going to ask you, what's your nets? What are the things that are your nets in this life? What is it in your life that you have determined that you would rather keep doing than following Jesus? We might have a pretty big list of things that we find so important that we devote ourselves to. 
And I want you to see the importance of what's being pictured here. You have the leaving of nets with the second brothers leaving the boat. And notice even Matthew underscores leaving father. What are your nets? What are the things that are tying you down so that you are unwilling to follow Jesus? And ultimately what you have is a call to be all in. That's what this is. If we understand that we're in darkness and Jesus is the only light, then it's changing our lives so that it reorients around Jesus. It's changing our life purpose, understanding we have a whole new reason why why we're here. But it is also a call to be all in. I think that's an important picture. The call is not to be in somewhat, some of the time, when it's convenient, When we get done mending our nets, we'll be there. Once we make sure dad's home safe, we'll be there. Once we put the boat away, we'll be there. Once we're done getting our fish, we'll be there. Once we've exchanged our fish for the money so that we have none of that. It's just okay. All in. An all in picture is being given to us. Let me kind of frame this another way. And I'm just going to ask it like this. Who follows who? Do we follow Jesus? Or do we invite Jesus to follow us? I think sometimes we perceive Christianity to be, yeah, I have invited Jesus to follow me. I accept him. He can follow me wherever he wants. I'd be glad for him to be my co-pilot. He can sit right up here with me and he'll be by my side. And wherever I go, he'll be there. He'll just follow me wherever I go. I am inviting Jesus to follow me. I think sometimes we have a perception like this. Is notice Jesus does not walk up to these men and say, hey, would it be all right if I come fishing with you? He doesn't come up to them and say, can I get in the boat with you? He doesn't come up to them and say, you know, when would it be a good time for us to have a discussion? You're going to get done with your fish in about an hour. I'll come back for you. Who follows who? We following him or are we just inviting him to follow us? As we live our lives, we live our schedules and we do what we think is best. Jesus asked them to leave the boat, to leave the nets, to leave the career, to leave the family, to leave everything of importance to them and to follow. And I'll put it like this, then if if we are not going to do this, then ultimately what it shows is that we don't understand that we live in darkness The only reason we would tell Jesus to follow us is because I think I'm doing just fine. I'm living my life great. I'm doing great. Jesus wants to hitch his wagon on my life. That'd be great because I'm going the right way. I'm doing fine. I've got my money. I've got my family. I've got my house. I've got my career. I've got my stuff. I'm good. Come on, Jesus. You can tag along with me. Be great. More of the merrier. And I want us to get a sense that We're not ever going to have life change from the light shining if you don't want it. This is really profound right here. (laughs) 
<clears throat> You're not going to have life change if you don't want life change. Go figure. All right? You're not going to. You can talk all day long about Jesus and transformation and change of life and all of that kind of stuff. But until you accept you're in darkness and he's the only light and the way that I'm going is not working and I need life change, that's never going to happen. You never have transformation. You're never going to have the life that Jesus is talking about for you. He's never going to give you what you think you're going to find in him if you don't accept that you need life change. And that, I think, is ultimately the picture that Jesus is trying to present here. Is the light is shining. Now, who wants life change? And you notice these four men do. Well, sure. I'll leave boats. I'll leave nets. I'll leave father. I'll leave it all behind. Because I need the life change. I need the light in my life. I need for him to do that. And that's really the idea is that if you really, really, really do want life change, you know, this is my be honest moment. If you really do want life change, you'll leave the nets. But you won't leave the nets if you really don't. You'll stay with the nets. You'll stay with the boat. You'll stay with your life course. You'll stay with doing what you've always been doing. Because, yeah, Jesus sounds neat. All right. But I don't need that kind of transformation. I don't need that kind of life. I don't need that kind of change. I'm doing okay. The light is shining, and that is supposed to mean that we will follow him. Jesus does not revolve around us. And I'm afraid with our 21st century American comfort culture, we have absolutely believed that Jesus revolves around us. And we'll just have him tag along and attach him to our lives and he'll follow me wherever I go and he'll be okay with whatever I do. And I want you to see Jesus is standing here on the shore and he says, you got to come follow me. I'm not following you. You have to follow me. If you want life change, if you want a difference, if you want the life that God's promising, if you want the light in your life, you have to follow him. That's why this picture is here with the light shining in Galilee. And then notice the other picture that goes with it because it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And listen to this. And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains. Oppressed by demons. Those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Final picture. If the light's shining, then that means there can be healing. And that is a beautiful picture that is given to us. Verse 24 says, There was not a single illness 
that Jesus could not heal. There was not a single disease that Jesus did not cure. Not a single unclean spirit was brought to Jesus that he could not cast out. There was not a single problem. And notice the image that's given. It's not just five people in Capernaum. It says it's Galilee. It's the surrounding regions. It's Syria. It's Judea. It's Jerusalem. It's beyond the Jordan. People from all over are coming to Jesus in Galilee. And they are bringing all of these sick and diseased people. Now, what's the picture here? Why, why is this here? We're just, you know, oh, yeah, Jesus is a miracle worker. Okay. There's something really big here. Really important that is trying to be given to us as a picture. Was there a single sickness or disease that Jesus could not heal? Nope. You know, I try to think about what that picture would have looked like. When you get a list like this, and I would imagine there'd be somebody go, I'm going to bring this person because they've got fill in the blank disease. I wonder if Jesus can heal this person. Yep. Well, here's this paralyzed person. I wonder if Jesus could heal that. Well, what about this one who's got seizures? I wonder if Jesus could heal that. Yep. Uh, this one's got an unclean spirit. I don't know. That might be a tough one. I wonder if Jesus could heal this. You know, you just imagine what it would have been like in that day and time as each person is thinking about the various afflictions and sicknesses and diseases and all of these issues that they have. And you would wonder, is it worth the journey to go to Jesus? Do you think he could heal even this? And the answer in this text is Yes. And the reason why I think that is so important is because sometimes we have the tendency to think, yeah, the light is shining and it's great that Jesus is there to change people's lives and he can transform people. And yes, he can even heal people, but not mine because you don't know how messed up mine is. Sure, great news that he can fix you. He can't fix me. I'm glad your broken life got helped by Jesus, but if you only knew, if you only knew my past, if you'd only known what I had done, if you only knew the things I've committed, if you only knew my troubles. You know, sometimes we, we do that with God. It's that Jesus is good for everybody else, but you know, you can't deal with me. You know, I have no idea how rotten I am. And I want you to see what the picture is trying to communicate here. There's not a single person with a broken life that cannot be healed by him. Not a single one. I don't care what you're conjuring up in your mind about yourself or somebody that you know. And you go, yeah, Brent, that person's really messed up. Jesus can heal that too. Sometimes we put boundaries out. You know, if you only knew that person, there's no way that person could ever be transformed and changed and healed and, and, and be different. Yes, he could. He absolutely could. The same thing that we do in our minds about being healed by Jesus had to be the same questions that these people wondered with their diseases and sicknesses. Do you think Jesus could fix that? Yes, he can. 
He absolutely can. There was no condition that was too difficult for Jesus to deal with. There was no condition that Jesus could not heal. There was no life that was too messed up. There was no situation where he went, you know, that one's a real bad one. I mean, that's a serious demon possession. Can't can't deal with that. You know, that person, oh, wow, you know, I only go this far with people. Verse 23. He went through all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing, what's your next word? Every disease. And next word, every affliction among the people. There's nothing you have that God can't deal with. And that's what the message of the light is. Is the understanding we are in darkness. Sometimes we act like, you know, well, you know, I've got this really bad life and here I am in darkness and, and he can't deal with anything. That's the whole point. God is not looking at us going, you know, I thought you were better people than that. I'm so surprised by you. Boy, I I came here to save the only kind of messed up people, not the really messed up people. You guys are really messed up. That's not what's going on. What we see, the people of Galilee who are under the shadow of death and are living in darkness. These are messed up people. They aren't doing what's right. They're far from God. And the message is the light is shining. There can be healing and transformation. There can be new life, new hope. It's a new day because the light has come. The sun is shining. That's the imagery that's being presented to us. The whole image is that the light of the king means that you and I can be healed. And I hope that would give you hope because I don't know that there could be something. I'll put it this way. Isn't it depressing when you have something wrong with you physically and you go to the doctor and you don't know what's wrong and you hope that the doctor's going to figure it out and the doctor says, I have no idea what's the matter with you either. I mean, that's demoralizing. You're like, if I don't know and you don't know, oh man, this is hopeless. That's one of the worst things to have is somebody who says, yeah, I don't know what the answer is for you. I don't know how to fix this. There's something amazing about the image of Jesus going around saying, you know, I am the great physician. And there's not something you're going to bring to me that I'm going to go, boy, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to solve that one. Big question mark there. He can heal. The light of the king is shining so that we can have new life. Now, Let me push that image a little bit further. What do we like to do with doctors when a doctor says, oh, okay, yeah, here's what you need to do. Then we apply our wisdom and go, yeah, but I don't know that I need to do that. (laughs) Right? I'm smarter than the guy who went into all those years of the doctor. And I, I know he says I need to do these exercises or immobilize this or take this medicine. But, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking. Why don't you even go to the doctor if that's what you're going to do? But here's the thing. We do that with God. Here is Jesus going along saying, I have the prescription for your problem. 
Understand you're in darkness. And you need to repent. That's the prescription. And if you'll accept the prescription. And follow me. As your new life. I'll heal you. I'll transform you. I'll change you. And what do we do? Oh, I can't mean that. It can't mean leave my nets. I mean, come on now. It can't mean follow him, really follow him, right? I mean, it means kind of follow him. It means a little bit of giving my life to him. It doesn't mean being all in. It just means being kind of in. That's better than the people who are not in at all. We start changing the prescription. And then we wonder why things are not getting any better. The whole point that Jesus is going around saying is if you will admit that you're in darkness and I'm the answer to that, that will change everything. You can be transformed. You can be healed. But the prescription is leave the nets, leave the boat and follow me. And you can't change the prescription. You can't tell Jesus, yeah, I I know you said that, but I only did a few of the things. I love when I do that to my doctor. My doctor goes, you didn't do what I told you. That's why you're messed up still. Are we going to do what he asks us to do? Or are we going to still stay messed up? You got to leave the nets, leave the boat, and follow. Because we're in darkness and the light is shining. Repentance means that we can't keep doing what we've always been doing. Repentance means we're going to stop asking for Jesus to follow us. And we're going to follow him. Repentance means we're going to make a radical life change today. Leave behind the nets that we've been so focused on. And truly follow Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, I feel the weight of of this text and the weight of this message because, Lord, it's so easy for us to act in our own wisdom. It's so easy for us to think that we're doing great and that we don't need you. To think that we are in light rather than in darkness. And Lord, so often we tell you to follow us to get on board with the way we are living our lives rather than changing for you. God, forgive us for how often we have asked you to follow us as we choose to live our lives the way that we want to and then wondering why things don't go well. Forgive us for how often we have lived in darkness thinking we're living in light. Forgive us for how often we've been unwilling to repent, unwilling to change, unwilling to be transformed. Forgive us for how often we tell you that you're second and that our ways are first. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts of repentance today. Give us the hearts today that will choose to leave whatever the nets are that we are clinging to in our lives and to truly follow you. Give us the courage. 
Help us to see your son as the only answer in the true light that we need for our lives. Help us to see that he's the only answer and that there's nothing in this world that satisfies or solves our needs except you. Help us to admit it, to confess it, and then to live it. Help us to live in a way that shows that you are truly all that we need and that we will leave everything behind for you. And so, Lord, forgive us, strengthen us, and propel us forward to a life of transformation because, Lord, we all need healing. We all have broken lives. We have damaged souls and and hurt relationships and all kinds of things that we grapple with. And, Lord, we know you are the the only healing and the only help. And so, Lord, we turn to you for healing. Change our lives. Change our way of thinking. And help us to see you clearly in all that we live and all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to sing an invitation song now. And uh, we invite you to come to the offer to leave the boats behind and to follow Jesus. To leave it all behind and seek him. To see him as the true light that can truly heal. You don't have an issue or a problem or a a concern or a brokenness that Jesus cannot transform, that Jesus cannot heal. I'm very anxious to talk about tonight's lesson about how the book of Haggai, that was a very real problem of what they had, of being dismayed and discouraged and disappointed by life. And how can you move on? I'll talk about that tonight, but I want you to see the start point. You need God. God can solve that. God can heal you if you'll give your life to him. As we sing this song, you can either come forward and be changed or you can talk to one of us afterwards. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?